Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. WQAD Podcast Network. The Cities with Jim Mertens. A production of WQPT. PBS for the Quad Cities region. A podcast in partnership with WQAD. What's going on in the Quad Cities? Activities, events, fun, politics, sports, local issues, and opinions. And now, your host, Jim Mertens. I'm Jim Mertens, and this is the Cities Podcast. Bold military moves by Russia, half a world away, having a big impact in Europe. Now, that's to be expected, of course, but it's also impacting other countries all around the world. And in our interconnected planet, that should really not be unexpected either. But what may be unexpected is that this invasion by Vladimir Putin has blurred some political lines in America, as some Republicans have credited Putin as a genius. And we talked with Monmouth College political scientist Dr. Andre Audet about the politics behind Putin and a war that has immediate and lasting effects around the world. Dr. Audet, I mean, on first blush, what do you think of this invasion as far as the political ramifications? Sure. Well, I think it's it was a surprising invasion, although we've seen the buildup. Uh, we saw intelligence reports that the U.S. administration was releasing. I think people were still thinking that Putin wasn't going to go this far, that he wasn't actually going to go into Ukraine. And so I think this has long-lasting impacts on the international stage. It's got some immediate effects on the U.S. economy and our politics. We have an election coming up in November. So lots of political ramifications from this. Yeah, and the timing is also interesting also because if you think about the fragility of the economics of the Western world right now coming out of the COVID pandemic, inflation on the rise, and that any any sanctions that are done by the U.S. and the allies against Russia will also impact the U.S. and its allies. Sure, I think one of the immediate impacts that we're gonna see from this is that gas prices are gonna rise. Um, President Biden is trying to employ some methods to ease the burden on U.S. consumers, but even just in the past couple of days, we've seen the oil markets fluctuating rapidly. So I think it's going to hurt um, U.S. consumers at the gas pumps and some of our allies, too. Germany was going to be one of the big beneficiaries of a new Russian pipeline, and they've since closed that off. And so I think... uh, Europe is going to see a lot of hits in terms of their natural gas and gasoline supplies as well. No troops, no American troops, we're told, are going to be in Ukraine, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to hurt, as you just pointed out. That's right. So President Biden has been very clear from the beginning that because Ukraine is not a NATO ally, that we are not going to commit U.S. forces to military battle. But, of course, there are... Uh, effects of this. So the sanctions that we put in place, those are going to impact, like I said, gasoline, other um, nanotechnology, other imports that we get from Russia, and also the financial sector as a whole. Um, There's been some reluctance to go into the, the SWIFT sanctions, which would be a little bit stronger sanctions placed on the Russian government. Um, so far, we've held back from that. And that's primarily out of a fear of what 
this is going to do to the financial markets, both in the United States and to some of our European allies. When you look at dealing with a superpower, if you want to declare Russia as a superpower, it does appear that always politically the first step is sanctions rather than any direct kind of military confrontation. That's right. And particularly in this case where Russia, of course, has nuclear weapons, they're part of the UN Security Council, we have to be very careful in how we deal with Russia so that this doesn't lead to something worse. And so I think sanctions are probably the natural first step with this. And we see that um, playing out at the world stage where this is usually the first step in trying to prevent armed conflict uh, from escalating. Um, but we'll see how far Putin wants to go with this. Dr. Audet, I think one of the interesting things is the lead up to this invasion where the Biden administration was pointing out information that it obviously was getting through various sources, perhaps even hacking into systems in the uh, Russian political uh, system, as well as the government, and almost forecasting exactly what Putin was going to do. Did you pick up on that as well, as that it seems like American intelligence is pretty sophisticated when it comes to knowing what Russia might do? Yeah, and I think we benefit from having intelligence from our allies in the region as well. Um, and I think this was intentional that the U.S., you know, we don't always release all of this intelligence information at the beginning, but I think this was a strategy from the Biden administration to try to be very transparent and forthcoming to the American people about what's going on, what movements Putin is making, and in a way to try to reassure some of our allies in the region that, that you know, we have their backs, um, that NATO is still a strong alliance, and that should this battle escalate any further, that the United States is taking this very seriously and that we have a lot of uh, good high intelligence information when it comes to our decision making. You have seen some unity, a lot of unity, as a matter of fact, among the Western governments trying to have a united front against Russia. But the unity isn't really being seen domestically at home, at least politically. We have seen some interesting criticism of the president and support, perhaps, for not what Putin has done, but for Putin himself. That's right. So if we just take a look, um, former President Trump gave an interview where he called Vladimir Putin a genius, where he was saying that he's making strategically smart moves. And that's not something that we see all the time. Of course, there's always opposition to um, conflict from different sectors, but it's very unusual that we would have a former U.S. president um, talking up Putin, who many view to be one of the primary uh, enemies of the United States, or at least a frenemy of sorts, um, where we, we have to engage, but um, really is striking at the heart of some of the U.S. strategic interests in the area. Um, so I think that's definitely something unusual that we would see in American politics. Do you think it's unusual for this time and place, or do you think this is the way it's going to be from now on? Because let's be honest, it's very much red, blue, it's very much us, them, Democrat, Republican, that the unity is never really totally there. That's right. We're extremely polarized right now. People are divided into their partisan camps. Um, I think this might be the new norm for now. But we also see a shifting um, a movement in terms of people's attitudes about the U.S.'s role on the international stage. So one thing that the Republican Party is dealing with right now is the sort of divide between the more establishment Republicans in the Senate who are very much opposed to what Vladimir Putin is doing, and they want to see a large and strong role for the U.S. in the international stage. 
versus President Trump and some of his allies that are taking a more domestic approach to American politics. And they are de-emphasizing some of our strategic commitments to NATO and some of our uh, movements around the world and trying to focus more on the American economy and our American political system. And so I think we see the Republican Party also dealing with some of these shifting norms in terms of how do we approach foreign policy issues. Well, current thinking and, and looking into the crystal ball has it that Democrats are going to fare badly in November in the midterms because of the economy for the most part, but other issues as well. If, if this drags on and sanctions continue, you would assume that it's going to have a continued impact on the economy as well as the midterm elections come November. That's right. So as a political scientist, we talk about the midterm law, which suggests that the president, the incumbent president, um, is going to lose seats in Congress in the midterm elections. And that can only be exacerbated by the inflation that we see, people who are, are paying more for gasoline, paying more for food, um, a lot of different commodities that are increasing in prices. And so I think that's going to hurt Democrats. And then if this escalates further, you know, I think this just kind of adds to to Republicans' message that um, Democrats are not uh, moving us in the right direction, that perhaps uh, there's just a, a sense of malaise to bring back um, a phrase from the Carter administration, as many people are looking backwards in history. Um, so I think that I, you know, there's possibility that this could unite people, depending on what happens. It's too early to tell. Um, how this whole situation is going to play out. But, you know, I, I really think there are very few scenarios in which this could actually help Democrats come 2022 um, elections in November. So when you talk about Putin being savvy or a genius, that does somewhat factor in because, I mean, everyone's a student worldwide of American politics and they know what can be done to trigger political crises or political uncertainty in America. Yeah. You know, I think this is something that the United States is dealing with and, and even outside of the United States too. What sort of role do we see for democracy in the world? And if we look at the trends, we've seen some backsliding in democracy, um, not only in the United States, but in other countries. And so I think this really does put a lot of pressure on liberal democracies. What sort of role are we gonna have in the future? What sort of um, role do we have in engaging authoritarian regimes? Um, you know, of course, Russia and China, with, which both tend to be on the authoritarian side, um, forming some strategic alliances. So how do democracies like the United States balance that out? And I think it raises a lot of questions moving forward. After this interview, you're going to be teaching uh, students about American politics. What are you going to say today? Uh, I, I assume it's the first class that you've taught with this group of students since the invasion. Yeah, I think students are... are worried about what's going to happen. Um, you know, much like the American public, our students have a variety of different opinions about what we should do. Um, and I think there's a lot of uncertainty as to, um, you know, what do we do moving forward? So um, I think one thing that we're going to do is just, just talk about some of the updates, the recent things that have happened. How does this impact American politics? And, you know, raise some of the questions that we've been talking about. What does this mean for polarization? What does this mean for the economy? What does this mean for their futures? That's something that I've heard students say a lot. You know, what a time to be graduating college when we have a COVID pandemic, we have rising inflation, we have student loans, we have now Russia invading Ukraine. There's a lot of things to deal with. And so I think there's a lot of fear and uncertainty 
not only in the general population, but even among our students. So when you put it in the spectrum of American politics, I mean, the era that we're living through right now, I mean, we've seen polarization, turn of the century from 1800s to 1900s. We saw it certainly during the Civil War. I mean, is this, I always think of politics and American government as a pendulum swing. It seems to swing one way, one era, another way, the next. Is that the way you see our current situation? You know, it's hard to tell. I can't predict the future. Um, you know, I'd like to see some easing up of the polarization. Um, there were times where um, the American Political Science Association, to which I belonged, was saying we need more polarization. Um, back in the 1950s, the parties are not different enough. We got our wish. Uh, the parties are very different now. And I think um, there's uh, a lot of forces that would suggest that we're going to continue along this path, that we're going to continue being divided. Um, I don't see any immediate resolution to that. Um, but perhaps as things develop over the next couple of years, hopefully there's something that can um, pull us back a little bit and, and perhaps rally the country together. Dr. Andre Audet, political scientist with Monmouth College. Thanks for listening to The Cities with Jim Mertens. And watch The Cities Thursday nights at 7, Sunday afternoon at 4, and Monday night at 6 on WQPT, PBS for the Quad Cities region. WQAD Podcast Network.